Hello, fellow innovators. This is Patrick Emmons. And this is Shelly Nelson. Welcome to the Innovation and the Digital Enterprise Podcast, where we interview successful visionaries and leaders, giving you an insight into how they drive and support innovation within their organizations. Today, we're welcoming Steve Cottle to the show. Steve is the Chief Technology Officer at Rand McNally. Before joining Rand McNally, Steve was a director at CNH Industrial, where he was responsible for delivering the farm operations and fleet management components of CNH's connected offering. Steve is the author of A Hero Behind Every Tree, The Non-Technical Reasons Your IT Investments Fail. He graduated from the University of Maryland with a BA in CompSci and graduated from the Naveen Jindal School of Management at University of Texas, Dallas. He's originally from Maryland, uh, and most of his degree was completed outside uh, the U.S. in Germany. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to touch on that a little bit as we go on. So welcome to the show, Steve. Thanks very much. Glad to be here. Uh, Steve, can you share with our listeners a little bit more about your role at Rand McNally? Sure. Um, so I'm the chief technology officer, which means all the products that we make from a technical perspective um, fall into my group. So we're the makers of cool things. Um, that's uh, mostly in a long haul fleet space. So uh, uh, compliance applications, um, electronic uh, compliance devices, uh, headsets, um, navigation units, a uh, whole bunch of stuff to help long haul truckers get where they're going. Um, and we're in the middle of making some new products in the uh, safety space that will also be useful for local fleets. So lots of fleet related technology that's uh, all pretty cool. Ram McNally is the longtime maker of maps. Uh, anybody who's my age has had a Ram McNally Atlas in their car back in the day before there was Google. Um, and so we've got a huge tradition in all those kinds of things, but my focus is on the technical products that we make. That's a bit of like uh, your history and your background is bringing that type of uh, high-performing software organization uh, to different companies. That's what you've kind of made your, 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 that's what you've done historically with most of the organizations when you, you, that's the type of opportunities you're looking for, correct? Yeah, that's, that's long been my thing since, since way back. So I've been doing this uh, almost 40 years now. Uh, so the whole adventure of going from, you know, chaos to, okay, we need to become an engineering discipline to, all right, well, that's very nice, but it's more craftsmanship. So how do we deal with that? And the invention of agile and case tools and all kinds of crazy things throughout the you know, kind of history of how we make products, mostly with software. Um, I've been part of that whole journey and have loved it. So getting into organizations to say, okay, this is, this is how you go from, you know, not performing terribly well to really getting an engineering organization to do great stuff and to make cool products. That's, that's always something I'm out looking to do. Awesome. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about talent? As we all know, this market is uh, one that we've not seen in a very long time. So, so how do you approach that uh, from an engineering perspective? So it's, it's tricky. I mean, right now there's lots of opportunities and you know, not, not so many people to fill them all and a lot of folks making moves and, and what have you. And it's, you know, it, it's a little crazy um, in you know, trying to find the right folks. Um, but the, uh, you know, the, the ticket is if you're making good stuff um, and you can help 
engineers really connect to, you know, I'm making a difference. Here's the things that happen when I do this work. I'm not one voice in a thousand engineers that, you know, isn't having an impact. Uh, but, you know, here, here's what I do. Here's the results. Here's what happens with customers. You know, here's feedback from the field on stuff that I actually made. Um, that's really attractive uh, and, you know, get you the right kind of product makers. So you know, I use that as a lever to try to draw folks in and then with good processes and good teams to say, hey, you can pair program. We're going to do test driven development. We're going to use some things that are, you know, kind of the, the right way of going after it. Um, and then, you know, do that well, not just, okay, we, you know, we say we do X, Y, and Z, but it's really just old style waterfall. And, you know, now we're doing that in, you know, one week chunks, um, but actually, you know, using those methods, then, you know, folks learn something, they get, you know, to puff up their resume a bit. Uh, what I tell my teams is what I'd like you to have is the hottest resume on LinkedIn <laughs> and then be having so much fun that when you get calls, because you will, you say, no, I'm, no, this is what I got is too good. Um, so, you know, making that the goal, all right, doesn't mean I always hit it, uh, but that, you know, helps folks when you're trying to draw somebody in to say, you know, if you really want to make some improvements in both your career and your skills, as well as have an impact on products, you should join our team. So Steve, we all know that it's, it's kind of slim pickings out there when it comes to talent, right? It's, it's, it's a very big challenge. And I think, you know, you mentioned you've, you've been around since case tools and I remember those uh, and the promises of, of, of other things. And, uh, but, uh, so this isn't the first time we've, we've seen this type of, uh, talent drought. Um, what pools are, are you fishing in? Where do you conceptually, what are you thinking about when it comes to like finding right people, right seat? Uh, you know, as you mentioned, finding, uh, the right cultural fits a great, uh, a really important component. So I guess, I, are you looking locally here in Chicago? Are you looking externally? What, what's your perspective? Yeah, so we're mostly local to Chicago, but we're we're um, a bit of the world's oldest startup. Um, so there's a lot of change we're trying to make in the organization. We've been around 165 years and and has cool old paper products with a lot of innovation that go way back. Um, but the engineering organization wasn't treated very well uh, prior to me joining the company, and some of my work is to turn that around. Um, and so from a product development standpoint, we've got a bit of a feel like a startup, but we have a solid brand and a lot of good products and, and those kind of things. Um, so we can be attractive to, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I want to get into something new and, and you know, make, make the, the cool hotness or what have you. Uh, but from my perspective, the best thing to do is get a lot of diversity, right? You want young talent, you want non-traditional educations you want folks that came from different places you want you know old school guys that been there and done that um, and bring all of those folks together gets you just a lot more interesting team um, and so then when somebody comes in to interview you know assuming you can get them to at least take your call um, you know the folks that they're talking to is a wide assortment of people with a bunch of different perspectives um, and not just okay everybody's got to be a cookie cutter and you have to fit in a certain way um, we just took a, uh, a gentleman who was in our QA organization um, who we didn't really know had a background actually in trucking. That's kind of what attracted him to the, the company in the first place, but he was doing, you know, testing. Um, and he, you know, showed up and said, Hey, I've got a list of things I think would re be really cool product ideas. 
Um, and I'm like, you know, we got a product owner position open. He's like, oh, you do. Well, what does a product owner do? I'm like, okay, if you want to learn what a product owner does, I think we got a spot for you. Um, and he's hungry and he's experienced, but you know, not old and crusty. And uh, is actually a really, really awesome fit. And the engineering team is now excited because they've got somebody who's really been there and done that. Um, and so it's just, you know, so you know, any kind of find can be a good one um, if you kind of figure out what they're made of and if they want to make some products. That's so interesting, especially from like an interviewing perspective. So how do you maybe involve the engineers in the interview process? And since you're kind of changing expectations or maybe looking at talent in a, in a different way, you know, how do you help um, help the team through that, you know, when they're talking to candidates? Right. So we're we're pretty much an XP shop. So pairing is a part of what we do. We don't, you know, pair 100% of the time, but lots of pairing goes on. So we use that process in our interview process. So, uh, you know, a candidate's going to, you know, get a get kind of the, the pre-check to make sure, you know, are you really interested in this? This is what we got. This is how the teams work. And, you know, it, it's your opportunity to say, oh, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, but if you're interested, then the next thing that's going to happen is you're going to pair up with some of our engineers um, and just walk through an exercise. It's not really a check your skills kind of thing. It's mostly a, you know, can you work together with us? Can we solve a problem on our feet? Um, how do you think? And, and is that an add to the group? And how do we think? And does that make sense to you? Um, and so they'll spend, you know, probably an hour just kind of working an exercise together uh, and then just kind of have a chat on how that worked and, you know, kind of a mini retrospective, right? Are you going to be able to join us and, you know, help the team improve as, as we go forward, you know, find problems that we need to solve and, and you know, help with answers to you know, how, how we'll tackle that in the next sprint kind of thing. So it's a really awesome way to figure out is this person a fit, uh, but also a good way for them to see the other members of the team doing the same thing. Right? You know, if you're the only person who brings your brain to work, you, you probably don't wanna join that organization. So it's good to see everybody else you know, doing it and not just it's a panel and you've got to you know, prove how smart you are. I think one of the challenges that we're all seeing is, is you know, sometimes unrealistic expectations and salaries right now. Is that something that you're seeing as well? Wow. It's a little crazy. Uh, you know, I, I went through the nineties, so it's not, <laughs> not my first big, big salary increases. I, you know, as a beneficiary of some of that when I was younger, right. um, but uh, you know, we've, we've, we've got fresh outs asking for, you know, senior level salaries. And, and I'm like, you know, somebody might pay that, but you're mm -hmm. going to have trouble being worth that. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I don't mind that salaries go up. It's, it's actually great news for people who want to be in tech. You know, you can get into this industry. You can, you can earn way more than a living wage. Um, you can go in a variety of places and, and, you know, that's awesome. But there's also the, okay, that's a little kooky and no, we're not really going to start you at that. So, you know, I've, I've had to pass on some folks just because they were just so kind of outside the sphere of kind of reasonable you know, next steps. And, uh, you know, we'll, I think we'll kind of settle on, you know, new sets of salary ranges as, as we kind of get through this spike of everybody needs somebody and there's not quite enough uh, supply for the demand. Um, so I don't mind that part, but there's certainly some folks that are kind of a little too much. So yeah. uh, we've, we've had to say, I, you know, I'm not such a big organization. I could just pay anybody anything. 
Yeah, I think there's the, the, the Googleification of salaries of like, hey, they're paying this. Like, yes, they organizationally yeah. that <laughs> yeah. they can do. Right. That. And, and they're right. Google. So right. they're and Google. the rest of us aren't. Right. Yeah. We don't, they're we don't printing print. money. That's right. So one of the things that in our previous conversations that I, I really appreciate is, you know, attracting the right people for you is tied to how you want to build products, right? So you're, you're attracting the right people, uh, incentivizing them by being part of a team that, that really is focused on pushing out functionality, being very much a, a, a value focused organization. I'd really like you to share more about like how those two are interrelated, right? Finding the right people and what you think is, uh, you believe is one of your, your critical value positions to the business, which is your ability to develop products quickly. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing is we've got to have folks who that's what they want to do, right? I want to make stuff that has an impact. Um, you know, I, I don't want to just solve a tricky problem. Um, you know, there's plenty of really awesome, you know, kind of corporate IT people that manage the infrastructure and keep the business systems running. And those are all great. But uh, what I need is people who want to make a thing. Um, and then, you know, our, our job is to deliver value to the organization and to our customers. Um, so we build in the feedback loops. I mean, part of how we execute you know, Agile and XP is really lots of um, organizational and customer feedback. We have very, very short sprints. Um, we get the developers engaged in you know, actually hearing from stakeholders, actually going to customers, being involved in the testing process. Um, I, you know, my concept for these teams is that they own their product full stack from birth to death. So, you know, if it's going to drag on for years and be a legacy product, well, guess what? Still your legacy product. And, uh, you know, if it's making money, that's awesome. If customers are unhappy, figure out how to fix it. If customers are happy, figure out how to give them more of that. Um, so that there's a lot of feedback loops from the market and the customers. Uh, we work very closely with our product management organization that you know, helps us see what we need to do next. Uh, but also very tightly with the sales and the support organizations to say, well, what do we got going on now? Um, and how do we make sure we're making that something that people really want to have every day? So that's a you know, kind of huge part of how the teams function is they're really focused on their, their thing they make. And I, I think that's a, I personally, as, a, as when I was an engineer, love the feedback loop, right? Like, am I doing the right things? But I also know that that's not something that's genuinely shared by a lot of people with an engineering background that being that close to that feedback loop of, of the customer, is that, is that something you're looking for during the interview process? Is that something that, because I, 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 having hired very similar people as, as a consulting firm, right? Obviously, you're going to be talking to human beings. And some right. people like it. Some people uh, prefer other things, I guess, the nice way to put it. Uh, is that something like when you're interviewing that you're selling that? Are you, uh, is, are you trying to find out? Is it Because I would imagine there's a lot of people who just haven't had experience with it, and they don't know if they like it or not. Is that, what are your thoughts right. about that? Right. So, so, you know, so the folks that do know, it's pretty easy to ferret that out. So in screening interview, it's just straight up front. This is what we're looking for. You know, talk to me about whether or not that excites you. Tell me about what is a really awesome day at work, right? You, you want to get up, get your coffee down and go to work as fast as possible, right? What, what's that look like? Or, you know, okay, the alternative, you know, I, I 
I really want to call in sick today or maybe call in dead and never show up again. You know, <laughs> what does that look like? <laughs> um, you know, that's, that kind of gives you a feel for, right, where's their passion? Where's their focus? But you had a good point in, you know, folks who haven't done that before, well, they don't know for sure, right? I haven't done it. So really the, the deal is describing, you know, you're going to own this with your team. Do you want to try that? Um, and, and we're happy to have a, you know, no harm, no foul. If you're not a fit, we will help you get your next thing. Mm -hmm. We'd be more than happy to give you a recommendation and you learned something and that's awesome. But if you aren't willing to try, well, then we shouldn't even start. Um, and so, you know, we can have a conversation around here's how a team functions. If that seems attractive, but you haven't done it before, so you don't know, that's okay. Jump in, let's give it a run. And um, we think it'll actually be attractive. Most most folks, once they're playing with a team who all is focused that way, they they like they like being on a team that wants to figure out how to win. And uh, you know, and and there's a great satisfaction in getting a patent for something people really use, or you know, having a customer call in and say, "Wow, you made a huge difference in my business this week." Uh, you know, it's like, "Wow, okay, give me, I'll, I'll take more of that, please." Um, so, you know, generally we find folks do fit, but you know, occasionally you get one that doesn't and, and it's like, hey, you're, you know, you're not really gelling with this way of thinking. Um, so let's, let's work on a, an appropriate exit. So last time we chatted with you, you mentioned you weren't looking to hire fully remote. So help us understand that more because um, as you well know, a lot of candidates are just looking for that 100% remote position. Yep, and that's a little bit of an organizational challenge right now because we're turning around the engineering organization. Um, you know, one of the kind of key focuses from the leadership team is we got to get to know each other. We got to be together a bit. We've you've got to get to know the rest of the organization. Um, and so while you know the world is going fully remote, we're, we're a bit of the outlier. In all right, we we got to have some work in the office, and um, you know, so we're you know looking at local. Um, and, you know, Chicago is a great area for looking for tech talent locally, but it's also a tricky time. Everybody else is looking for tech talent. Uh, I just read an article where, uh, where John Deere, a former competitor of CNH, is opening up a downtown tech office. Okay, well, that's going to draw a lot of connected vehicle talent, and I'm in the pool looking for connected vehicle talent. Um, so there's plenty of challenges, but we are looking local. We, uh, we like our teams to be together enough to you know, get to know each other, and then working remotely is is a lot more effective. Um, I, you know, certainly spent a lot of time during the pandemic working remotely myself and with remote teams, and it was, you know, definitely it works, right? So I'm certainly not, um, you know, disparaging that at all. But we're trying to build a team that's brand new and a lot of new products and a lot of new spaces, turn things around. Um, so that you know makes it a little tougher. We've got to find folks who are willing to get together, and you know, then we try to be safe and make sure we're addressing the kind of current challenges that are out there. Uh, but that's a big part of how we're trying to form these teams. Yeah, definitely. I, I think remote, not remote, right. Uh, it, it, there's so many challenges. And I think it's going to be, you know, one of the things you touched on before was like the, the appreciation component of being that close to the customer of like really getting that feedback. There's also the, uh, do you, do you, bring the the product team in when the when the news isn't great as well right where it's like oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah so uh is there yeah. what is it why I, I think i know why you do that but i'd love to hear your ideas about why you do that 
Well, a lot of it is taking ownership for what you make. So, you know, the first thing, we, you know, when, when I joined the organization, we had some unhappy customers um, and previous leadership, you know, would just say, well, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And I said, get me on the phone with the customers, right? Bring me into the calls, not just the sales team or just the marketing team or whoever, you know, let's get the tech guys saying, hey, I have a thing. It's not doing what you want. Here's the steps I'm taking to get it to do what you want. Or, you know, here's all alternatives and you could call me, you know, I'm. I, I'm owning this product. And then, you know, the team sees that and says, hey, well, we need to own that product. Well, great, because the next time you're going to be on the phone with a customer. And I don't necessarily, you know, want engineering making product decisions or, you know, promising things to customers, but I want them to hear what the customer has to say about their products. Uh, I, I love it to take folks in the field. Um, a lot of our testing group is very hands-on. Um, and so if we have an opportunity, we'll We'll go to a customer's location. We'll see how their stuff is working. We may, you know, swap out some gear or, you know, add some test configurations to see how it really works in the field. And if I can take an engineer that's on that product team along with them, perfect. Uh, because they see how the operation works. They get the feedback. They go, oh, this is what the customer's dealing with. I can see how they may be unhappy with this particular feature or the way this thing works or you know, how, how long it stays alive or, you know, whatever it is that the customer's got an issue with. Um, and now they're coming back to their team saying, okay, here, I see what product wants. I see what sales wants. I see what the customer wants. Let me give you some engineering options that we might be able to tie all that together. And, and that's the kind of thinking real product makers need to have. Awesome. Yeah. And with that mindset, the, the other part, like as we, we touched on, you know, XP, right? Extreme programming philosophies and approaches. And, and I think it's great to pair programming, short sprints, test-driven development, engaging product owners, engaging the business side of the house. Um, sometimes that creates its own challenge of like, how do we get them to participate in such a very much collaborative, you know, you know holding hands with each other, kind of like you're real, you're in it, Right. What are some of the things that, that you do to get buy-in from the business side when you, you know, you're moving to an organization at times and, and you're trying to like recharge them and get them to start adhering to these, uh, you know, SaaS level software engineering methodologies, right? Right. What are some of the things that you have to do to, to get buy-in from other parts of the organization? Well, from, from the get-go, this is, you know, the chief technology leader's job, right, is to get his or her peers playing, you know, and making things go in these ways. So, you know, first thing I tell everybody is my job is to get my peers involved and their teams involved. I'm not going to pass it on to you. So first off, we, we got a, you know, ownership at the top level. Um, and then, you know, the day I walked in, I said, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to do things different in engineering. That's why you brought me in. So, you know, you need to at least try some of these ideas, right? We can we could stop and go, hey, this is not working. That's fine, but we're not going to step in and and play ball. That's not fine. So you know, be forewarned. I'm going to bring you some new things to try. Um, and then you know we we use those things that we know are engaging and effective. Um, we started working on a new product and brought in marketing and sales and and supply chain to say, okay, we're going to do a brainstorm on a thin slice. Oh, what's a thin slice? Well, we do these really, really short sprints. So we need to make the smallest possible thing that would deliver value. Well, okay, well, we want to make a this. All right, well, that's the ocean. 
So let's make it smaller. Okay, so a little discussion. Okay, that's the Indian Ocean. It's still an ocean. It's a smaller <laughs> it's ocean, Pacific, but it's still an ocean. Right, exactly. Right. So, you know, and we just kept slicing it down, slicing it down until they said, well, okay, here would be a thing. I said, all right, well, that has a technical risk. So our first thing is to go solve that technical risk, and we'll show you that it works. Okay, great. And then the next thing we have is a product market fit risk. So then we need you to take it to customers and see if your idea really is something they're going to be interested in. Okay, so you know we do our piece, and in a week they're looking at a, you know, prototype demo of solving the technical risk. And like, wow, that's like almost a product. So now wait, time out. Right, right. It's exactly. a long way between right. between this and a product. <laughs> right. But what we did was we found the biggest problem, we made it as small as we could, and we proved we could solve it. So now we got a bunch more of that work to do. But guess what? Next sprint. Okay, we're showing them. Here's the materials. Here's a clickable prototype. Here's some, you know, a journey map. You need to take that to the customer and say, if I make something like this, I think it's valuable. What do you think? And tell me which parts of this you think are most valuable. And how would you twist it a little bit to get better value in your organization? And what parts so now, do you hate? Right, right. And so, so now they're engaged in the feedback loop before we ever write a line of code. Totally. And um, you know, as we get those products to market and they have you know, fit right away, right? They don't have a bunch of technical things we didn't, we didn't get right. Um, they don't, we aren't carrying a ton of tech debt because we made bad decisions. We already have asked the customers whether or not this is a fit. We've shown them different ways of working. You know, they've been to this whole process. Well, then people want to buy it, right? Because it does things that are valuable to them. Um, instead of, well, we made a thing and now we have to go sell really hard. Right. Um, so, you know, it takes some practice. If you can get the team to practice through one of these things, all the way to getting it into the hands of customers, they're going to find it's it's really worth it. And so, you know, now they want to get their teams involved. Now, how many more products can we do this with? Um, so it, it takes some work. I mean, it's it's organizational change is never easy. Um, but you know, the whole making this really fast and 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 spin often, you know, the whole iterative thing. The the better you do that, the the more participation you're going to get because they're going to see results. And the more the engineers actually know the customers, which right. is a critical thing. I use big fan growing up of uh, this old house. And one of the things they always advocated for was measure twice, cut once. And that methodology that you espoused is what I always thought was exactly that in technology. Absolutely. Let's measure Absolutely. twice. The second we bring in the developers, things are going to get real expensive around here. Right. right. So you know, we don't have, you know, luckily we, we don't have to buy wood considering it's five times the price of, you know, it used to be, uh, but our time on the developers, right? Like that whole rework, rethink, right? I used to call it back in the day when we used to do like the big yield requirements doc that nobody read. And then we updated, right. nobody read the updates. Then we did another update. Nobody read those by the end. Nobody really knows what we're doing. Um, and then you do like a four month, Hey, let's go get it started. And then you'd have the meeting where you would present it. And I used to call that the heartbreak meeting. Right. Cause uh, you know, you realize 50% of your money was gone and then uh, you only got 50% of the functionality you wanted. So it was really a, a very, very disappointing moment for everybody. Uh, and so, you know, the phrase like, mm, I, I see what you thought I meant became just like my nightmare. Right? right. So that's where it's, I agree with you, like that short circuiting that of like, let's not worry about 
the building. Let's, and some people advocate to, to not actually start building something until somebody's actually given you money for it, where you've said, Hey, you know, we're building this. We want you to commit to buying it where, you know, you're going to get the intro rate for a lot of startups. This is a, an acceptable approach for, I don't know, for different corporations. I don't know how acceptable that would be, but for many, for the startups, it's like, Hey, you know, we're building this thing. We want you to be one of our first customers, you know, to do so. We want to see at least a little money, a little commitment. Cause to your point of like getting dollar one, right. Right. As opposed yeah, to well, the, one of the phrases we use around here is the shortest path to money. Shortest right? path we to want money. to try to, cause we, you know, we're not going to ask for money up front, but we want to get most rapidly because that's the proof, right? If, if you say, oh yeah, this is really valuable, but you're not willing to pay for it. Um, well, I, I'm, you know, <laughs> then it's not that valuable. That's right. And, uh, and so what we want to do is get really rapidly to, okay, make a commitment and put some money in. And, you know, maybe that's, you know, 2% of the total addressable market would be willing to pay for that first piece. Well, great. If those guys are willing to pay, get them to pay and prove that we can get that chunk. And then how do we get the next 5%? And then how do we get to 50% of the market? And then how do we get to 100% of the market would like it? Um, so, you know, that is also a bit of retraining organizationally is to say, you know, we'd like, to, we'd like to make the perfect product, right? It needs to be 100% of everything. And then I can launch my sales force and we can really attack the market. Uh, no, how, how about you, we just get a dollar? Let's go get that first dollar. Right. And, you know, we can stick it up on the wall, like, you know, like your favorite restaurant has. And we know, well, a customer came in and spent that dollar on the things we had. That's awesome. Now we can make more things. Um, so that whole kind of idea to sign off latency um, is what I used to call it back before the agile days um, is that whole thing you described, right? With the, with the very sad meeting to go, uh, no, that's not it. Um, so, you know, we want to get to that's not it really fast. And then if, you know, the organization said, well, this is it, but the customer says that's not it, we want to get to that really fast. Oh, that's it. Right. I want, and that's really the challenge is finding out your idea is terrible before you've spent too much money on it. Uh, Shelly, do you have, uh, what do you got? I think my only other question, Steve, was how easy is it to get in front of your customers, right? To do these demos and how willing are they to invest the time? Well, there's a really big advantage of the Rand McNally brand. So one of the things that I've loved about this job is that this brand is beloved. Um, the folks who use our products, even if they're unhappy with the products, really still want us to win. Mm. Um, and of course, the folks that are happy with the products, it just reinforces that really solid brand. So there's a lot of kind of trust and nostalgia built into the brand. So when we go to a customer and say, hey, would you talk to us about what we're making? They pretty much always say yes. It's it's really unusual. I mean, for plenty of startups, which I've done in the past and, you know, companies who make a cool thing, but nobody really knows, oh, you're a part of the whole chain of, of, of stuff that makes my business go. I, I'd never heard of you before. Um, you know, plenty of companies struggle with, you know, hey, I'm, I'm XYZ Corp and I, I want to talk to you about, you know, uh, what, what we put on your doctor's iPads. And they're like, go away. We don't have time for you. <laughs> um, and, you know, and at Ram McNally, they're like, oh, Ram McNally, how can we help? Nice. So, you know, we, we leverage that. That's, okay. you know, we try not to abuse it. 
but um, we really do get a lot of market feedback and, you know, there's plenty of good, bad and ugly YouTube videos about people using our products. And, you know, we'll reach right out to those folks and say, hey, we saw you made a video um, and we saw there were some things you didn't like. How, how about we work with you on uh, you know, what it would take so that you do like them? Yeah. You know, what needs to change? And they're happy to talk to us. That's so awesome. that's, that's a really great aspect of, of working at the company. And, you know, my job is to make sure we take advantage of that best we can to really make our products fit people's view of the brand. Sure. Great. Joe, you want to do the, the, the mentor question? No, you go for it. All right. I'll do it this time. I'm just stealing Shelly's work. This is actually how Shelly's the mastermind of everything. I just steal her stuff. And <laughs> Not true. It's totally true. Everybody. Well, knows. you know, well stolen is half done. Well, there you, I love it. Uh, would love to understand, you know, you've had a lot of success in your life uh, and you've got a lot of leadership experience and you're comfortable in going into places where change is imminent and there's going to be friction. So yep. what are some of the things, how have you gotten to that point in your life? You know, where have you, you know, obviously there's not stuff you learn in school. That's not things that you, you're going to, you know, read in just a book. Right. Uh, so what is it? Uh, how have you gotten to this place in life? And who are some of the people that, you know, you reached out to or who have been kind of critical in, in helping you get to this level of confidence and capability? So uh, like most early careers, I did a bit of stumbling around. Um, and, you know, in the, you know, kind of hardcore engineering space, you know, electrical engineers and software people or what have you, um, there's a lot of folks who aren't really excellent people, people. Um, they're really awesome at their at their work, and they you know, work in small teams pretty well. But they're you know not really you know, interested in or skilled at people leadership. Um, so kind of early in my career, I was kind of pulled out as a you got a little bit of people skills, so why don't we you know throw a team at you? Um, and so some you know learn the hard way, um, and then a little bit of kind of liking that aspect to say well you know when when I'm successful with the people side, the whole team gets better results. Mm -hmm. So let's build up some skills there, you know, in the same way somebody says, hey, when I'm, you know, better at knowing design patterns, I can pick the better one. Okay, great. It's the same kind of thing on the people side. Um, so um, I, at, at one point, I was kind of switching from, uh, you know, the work I'd started with to, to, to new things and said, all right, I need to hear from the experts. And I found like every book that existed at the time. So People Bear by DeMarco and Lister and, and you know, uh, a discipline of software engineering and, you know, whatever was the, you know, kind of current set of stuff out there to say, what do all these people have to say? And, you know, as it turns out in, in a, you know, 300 page book, there might be a couple of pages of real people related good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, probably a little more goodness in, you know, a book called Peopleware, but in lots of the others, a little less so, but there was always something. Um, and so, you know, tons of reading and little nuggets and then practicing those. Uh, but I had the, the advantage of having a couple of good mentors. Um, so, you know, along the way, folks who had some skill and taught me things like a manager needs to do as little as possible and everything that's necessary. So the, you know, a bit of get out of the way and let your team do their job, but make sure you you know, got their back and you're moving the roadblocks and making sure they can do their job. Um, and, you know, after a period of meddling a little too much in teams, that was good advice. Um, 
so you know some good folks in my path um, as well as you know back kind of before the internet was much of a thing I was a CompuServe guy um, and there were groups led by you know now the kind of you know old masters of of software thinking um, that you know actually chatted with people and, and uh, you know, you can learn a lot from somebody else doing something. I helped to have a stint in consulting where I met a lot of different managers at different firms doing a lot of different things. At, at one point, I was in a small town in central Texas. There were like three or four big employers, um, which weren't really that big because it was a small town. So there you know, weren't too many IT people. Um, and we actually formed a working group across all of these firms and had a you know kind of weekly book club. We'd meet for lunch and you know, talk to each other about the struggles we had and, you know, some chapter in a book that about half of us had read. And, uh, you know, just having that connection with other people doing the same thing was also huge. Um, so I'm a, I'm a fan of non-traditional ways of getting from here to there. Uh, and there's nothing like practice. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I spend a lot of my time now making sure I'm one-on-oning -on all of my leaders, particularly the ones that have people, um, I've usually got outside folks who I'm you know, doing some kind of on the side mentoring with that, you know, don't have something in their own organization uh, because you get asked a tough question and you're like, man, I'm not really sure how I would handle that. So I probably had to think that through because I'm going to run in that same situation myself. Um, and so even, you know, working with somebody who you would presume to be you know, more junior or less experienced, having to explain it. Uh, really reinforces those skills. And sometimes you got to go learn something before you can tell them anything. That's great. That's great. And I love the the bit about doing the least amount necessary, but every at least amount possible, but everything that's necessary, right? Um, yep. I think it's, it's absolutely a true statement, especially at that manageable level where it's critical of like, you want to get empower, give the opportunities, but at the same point in time, uh, you, you got to catch the things that are falling through. Right. Right. And that's, uh, but it, it does, you catch fewer and fewer things as your team picks it up. If you're, if you're really celebrating the victory. So, uh, Steve, uh, I think we could talk for another three, four days. Uh, I, I want to wrap up on that though. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I really appreciate you spending your time and sharing your experience and your wisdom with, with us and with our listeners. Love the chat. Thank you very much. Awesome. We also wanted to thank you, our listeners. We really appreciate everyone taking the time to join us. And if you'd like to receive new episodes as they're published, you can subscribe by visiting our website at dragonspears.com slash podcast, or find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was sponsored by Dragon Spears and produced by Dante32.